Genesis chapter 21, beginning at verse 9 through 16. You guys ready for the Word of God today? It's a good one. Because after this message tonight, today, because it's our anointing Sunday, I'm going to do a special altar call to anoint you guys as well if you're in need of prayer. How many of you are in need of prayer today? All right. So I pray after this service is over, or in the end, you run to this altar to receive your prayer and blessing. Genesis chapter 21, verse 9. The Word of God says, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian whom she had born in Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with my son's name, with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight before the cause of her son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He took the bread, the skin of water, and put it in on her shoulder. He gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance, about a bowshot away. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite of him, lifted up her voice, and wept. And I want to speak to you this morning on this subject. Don't mind me, I'm just having a moment. Don't mind me, I'm just having a moment. Before I preach, would you turn to your neighbor right now, just, just give him a little nudge and tell him right now, hey, I'm just having a moment right now. Just having a moment. How many of you have those moments? Amen. Let's pray. Father, bless this word in Jesus' name. Father, as we have our moments in life, moments of chaos, moments of happiness, moments of fear, moments of gladness, let us understand that moments are all in your hands, Lord. Bless this word in Jesus' name. Use me now in my lips. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this word this morning. Don't mind me. <clears throat> I'm just having a moment. I'm just having a moment. Have you ever had a moment where you just needed to be alone? Have you ever had a moment you just needed to cry? Have you ever had a moment you just wanted to strangle someone? Have you ever had a moment that you just wanted to call it quits? You ever have one of those moments you're feeling sorry for yourself? You have one of those moments that you just don't understand what God is doing? All of us can relate to moments. And see, when it comes to moments in life, 
We have to understand that whatever moment you're going through in life, God is still great. God is still great. And if you understand, if you really understand, because we go to church and we say, yes, the Lord is great. Yes, I know the Lord is great. No, if you really understood the greatness of God, I believe that fear and worry and stress and depression have no room in your life if you truly understand the greatness of God. When you read the scriptures throughout the Bible, you're going to hear a lot about the greatness of God. For example, Moses wrote about the great strength of the Lord. Moses wrote this because obviously the Red Sea split up. He made a way when there was no way. It was impossible. They were facing death and God made a way. And Moses said, I see how great the strength of the Lord is. When you see David throughout the Psalms, David wrote, great is our God and greatly to be praised. And David, obviously, I know, wrote this because David, he fought off Goliath. He fought battles that were impossible. He was chased down by Saul. He was a fugitive and he survived, became king, and God did great things in his life. So I understand when David said, great is God and great to be praised. Even Paul said in the New Testament that God is great in his wisdom. He's great in his love. And see, I understand why Paul wrote this, because Paul, he survived hurricanes, he survived prison, he survived beatings. There were moments in his life that he should have been dead, but he overcame. And even Paul said, God's love is great. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So God is saying that God that's living inside you is greater than the devil that's in the world. Talking about Satan here. And I understand that we, under, we know the greatness of God. We know what it means that God is great. But what about those moments where it doesn't feel like it? What about those moments that you hear of the greatness of God? but you don't see it. See, if we're honest with ourselves, there are moments in life that the greatness of God is not seen or it's not felt. Because life is a series of moments. Temporary moments. In fact, look at what 2 Corinthians 4.17 says. It says, For our light affliction, which is but for a what? Moment. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. See, what God is saying here is that every moment in life is just momentary, even affliction. And that word affliction in the Greek literally means to be pressed down. When you put pressure on something, how many of you feel right now the pressure of life right now? Can I get a witness? 
You feel the pressure of having to raise children, the pressure of getting them ready for school, the pressure of paying bills, the pressure of keeping your spouse happy, the pressure of being healthy, the pressure of maintaining a home, and you're under all this pressure. And even God says that even the greatest pressure that you're under is just a moment. And it's working for us. But see, the, the devil tries to convince you that these moments in life that are pressing you down are never going away. They're forever. They'll never change. Don't pray for a breakthrough because it's never going to happen for you. Don't pray for that child because they're going to stay in bondage like that forever. Don't pray for a miracle because it's not going to happen. And the devil convinces you that these light and momentary affliction and moments of pressure in your life are not going to change. And don't you understand right now, church, that a lot of us base our whole life on what is a moment. You think about someone that even ends their own life. They ended their life based on just a temporary moment. And what if right now, the bondage you're under, the stress, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, is all because you're in bondage to a temporary moment. That God says, this is going to pass. This isn't going to be forever. In fact, God says that our light and momentary afflictions are working for us. Which means that God in His greatness is getting these moments that you're weak, these moments that you're tired, these moments that you feel useless, these moments that you're worried and afraid, these moments that you can't go on anymore, these moments that you've been betrayed and hurt, these moments that you're broken, all of these moments, God says it's momentary. Which means if every situation in life is but a moment, we have to know what it means to have a momental shift. A momental shift is when God changes a moment. That's what happened in the life of Hagar. Let me give you a background about Hagar. Hagar, she was a slave, a servant. In that culture, you were considered a nobody. So Hagar, she must have been pretty, she must have had something about her because Sarah, Abraham's wife, could not bear children. And Sarah said, honey, come here, I want to talk to you. And Abraham said, yes, honey. He goes, listen, God is not going to give us a child. It's been too long. It's not going to happen. Why don't you go and sleep with our servant and have a child with her? And Abraham's like, well, honey, if you say so, if you think that's best, you know, honey, I, I'm, I'm here to plead, whatever you want. And he never, he never argued. So Abraham, in obedience and submission to his wife, said, well, and he did it. And he got her pregnant. They had a child. And for 14 years, imagine you go from being a servant to the baby mama of the greatest man in the Bible in faith. 
That's what she was. She is the baby mama of faith. Her life changed in a moment, did it not? One moment she's a slave, she's useless, she's good for nothing. And in another moment there was a divine shift and now she's living there in comfort. She's strong, everyone's looking up to her. her she has a different look to her, a different confidence. Because for 14 years now she's being treated nicer, she's being treated better with higher value. Why? Because she is the baby mama of Abraham's son. So for 14 years, everything's great. Life was good. But there's a monumental shift. One day, Sarah already has her child. And she sees Hagar's son making fun of Ishmael. And she says to Abraham, Abraham, Get her out of here. What do you mean? Cast her off. I don't want to hear her anymore. I don't want her here. I want her gone. She has nowhere to go. I don't care. She has no one to provide for her. Not my problem. Get her out. The Bible says the next morning. You know why? Because I believe this conversation took place at night. So she goes to bed one moment in her comfort of her, her great life. The next morning, Abraham comes in with suitcases, puts it down, and says, you got to go. Can you imagine if you're Hagar? And one moment you go to bed and everything's great. And the next moment, see, that's a monumental shift. Everything can change in your life in one moment. And in one moment, her entire life is destroyed by one person. How many of you can relate for your entire life being destroyed by the actions of one person? Amen? Amen. One selfish person. That was Hagar. And Hagar now is left with nowhere to go. And Hagar grabs a suitcase. She grabs her little boy. He only gives her a skin of water and says, just go. Where am, I, where am I going? I don't know. I have nowhere to go. I don't care. But how am I going to eat? How am I going to live? How am I going to take care of our son? It's not our problem. You have to go. And she had to go with no plan. No direction. No provision. And she was rejected like she's never been rejected. In fact, the name Hagar, Agar in the Hebrew, literally means forsaken and rejected. See, there are moments in life that change you forever. There are moments in life that can cause you to fall on your knees before God. There are moments in life that can frighten you like you've never been frightened. There are moments in life that can break you like you've never been broken. And for Hagar, this is one of those monumental moments that everything changed for the worse. And that's all it takes in our lives 
One moment that a doctor calls you in and says it's cancer. One moment that your son or daughter calls you in and says I'm gay. One moment and all it takes is a boss to tell you I'm sorry, but you have to let be let go. You're fired. All it takes is one moment. One car accident. One problem. One person. One moment. To monumentally shift your life into chaos. And maybe you've come to this church this morning. And you're having one of those moments right now. And it's a moment that you don't know what you're going to do. It's a moment that you have no idea where you're going. How this is going to turn out. What God is planning. Why am I going through this? But see, that's Hagar's moment. Like Hagar. Maybe you feel like you've been an outcast. Rejected. Imagine Hagar. She must have loved Abraham. You ever invested in a person to have them break your heart? No? That's because you're the heartbreaker. Yeah, okay. You ever invested in a child to have them grow up and not even call you as much anymore? Or want nothing to do with you? You ever invested in a friend that just stopped texting and stopped calling you and stopped hanging out with you and they just left? You ever been married to someone that's rejecting you constantly every day? You ever been a part of a church that has rejected you? I hope not this one. She must have felt used. She must have felt like she was taken advantage of, devalued. She must have felt like she wasted her 14 years of life, her prime. She wasted her life on this. And some of you, you carry that burden that you put so much into something only to have it reject you. And rejection is hard because oftentimes, when you are being the one that's rejected, that other person moves on. That other person is fine. That other person carries on. And you imagine that Hagar has been rejected. She's out in the desert. She has nowhere to go. She has no food to provide. She's down to nothing. But what about Abraham and Sarah? They're back home. They're fine. They're in the comfort of their home. They got all the food in the world, all the provisions they want. Life is good for them. And sometimes that's what makes rejection so hard because you stand on one side broken, but then you look to the other side and everything's fine for them. And that's why I believe rejection is when it's hardest to understand God. You say, God, I don't understand why. Why am I the one left to pick up the mess? How is God great when you've been rejected this way? And maybe you're in a place you're saying, Pastor, I don't understand why God is allowing this. 
I don't understand what God is doing. I don't understand. But nowhere in the Bible does it tell us we have to understand God. The Bible says that we have to trust in the Lord and lean not on our understanding. The Bible says that when you cast your anxieties on God, He will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. So you don't have to understand God. You just have to trust in His ways. So whenever you've been rejected by a person, rejected by a job, rejected for a house you apply for, rejected by anyone, rejected by anything, rejected by a dream, a hope, a desire, you have to understand that you may not understand, but that's okay. Because God is great. And God has a plan. So when your life has a monumental moment of shifting. That is the moment that you're not going to understand God. And here's why sometimes I don't understand God. Look at verse 12 through 13. Remember when Sarah said, hey, get Hagar out of here, cast her out. This displeased Abraham. Abraham thought, man, this is a bad idea. This isn't right. This is wrong. We shouldn't do this. And I believe Abraham took it up with God in prayer. That's why God said to him, he spoke to him, because I believe that when his wife said, get this woman out of here in distress, he went, he fell before God and said, Lord, what do I do? And here's the part I don't understand. God said to Abraham, do not let it displease you in any way or in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Don't worry about the boy or the woman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her. Are you kidding me, God? Listen to her. Listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. But notice what the Bible says, yet... I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you this morning? Sarah rejected Hagar. And in one moment, Hagar's life is completely turned upside down. You ready for this, church? Say, I'm ready. Right. And God did not prevent it. God didn't say, Abraham, you better talk woman. I'm some sense into that woman. Abraham, you better tell Sarah that's wrong. Abraham, you better not kick her out. No. And God told Abraham that it happened. Let it happen. God allowed it. And if there's anything that I get asked the most as a pastor, it is why did God allow my suffering? Why did God allow this pain? Why did God allow my child to die? Why did God allow divorce? Why did God allow this cancer in my body? Why did God allow this, pastor? And I can't tell you, well, this and this is the reason. I can't do that. The best answer I always tell them, I don't know. you can trust me. We 
won't understand why God allows pain or rejection or disappointment. But church, I promise you, as God is our witness right now, you might be in one of these moments that you don't understand what God is doing. But what I learned from this Scripture is that even Hagar, even before Hagar was kicked out, God already had a plan. He already had a purpose. And He was doing something great. He told Abraham, I will make him into a great nation also. God said, something great is coming out of this. And someone needs to hear this this morning. Because you may not understand what God is doing in your life. And you may be in one of those moments of chaos and pressure. And it doesn't feel like it's momentary, Pastor. It feels like I'm going through this forever. But God is making something great out of it. He makes something great out of rejection and disappointment and heartbreak. But see, oftentimes, the greatest plans and purposes of God and the greatest of His blessings show up in moments of brokenness. Moments when your life is falling apart. Moments of pressure. Throughout the Bible, God shows up only after immense pressure. You think about Daniel. God showed up only after Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. How many of you would love God if he threw you in a lion's den? And God showed up and God protected him and God delivered him. And I said, yeah, hallelujah, but God, you still threw me in there. Yes, he did. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Bible? Jesus stood right by them, unbound them. It was a miracle. Jesus showed up in the Old Testament. But they still got thrown in the oven. Are you following me? Some of the greatest blessings arrive only after you've been thrown in the burner. And I'm all grateful because we read that story. So, oh, and the Lord was with them and the Lord delivered them and the Lord unbound them and the Lord promoted them. But you know how your pastor reads it? Yeah, but he still threw them in the oven. How many of you would love God if he threw you in the oven? Oh, but we talk about Paul. And we talk about Peter. And we talk about how God made a way and he got out of prison and he broke the chains and opened the doors. And Paul and Peter, after praying and, and after just being in a jail cell, in different occasions, Paul and Peter went through prison cells. They got delivered. And that was all great. But they still got thrown into prison. See, we tend to play this game with God. 
If you're a Christian, you shouldn't suffer. And that not only is a hypocritical statement, it's foolish. Because Christianity is based on God sending His Son Jesus to die and suffer on the cross for our sins. And we celebrate the greatness of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection for the salvation of our soul, but we forget that that salvation took place only after Jesus suffered on the cross. Christianity is all about not just the greatness of God and His salvation, but it's also about God's salvation after the midst of your suffering. And you're probably saying, well, woe is me. Why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? And I ask you this, why wouldn't you? Why not? To understand this is to say that when you go through the deepest, most darkest pressuring of times in your life, I guarantee that's when God reveals Himself the most. That's when God shows up in your life. But many of you, you want the greatness of God in your life without the brokenness, and it does not make sense. So in life, you have these monumental shifts where at any moment, your life can change for the worse, like Hagar. And when you have a monumental shift, you have this moment where you don't understand God. So how do you survive these moments? where your life is hard? How do you survive these moments where everything seems unfair? How do you survive the moments that you're just going through all this pressure and pain? Let me teach you how to survive these moments. You guys ready? Jericho makes the best banana bread. Did you know that? She does. Here it is right here. Look at that. And the other night, I was watching her bake this bread. Yes, Jay, you can eat it after. (laughs) (laughs) She makes the best banana bread. And as I was watching her bake this banana bread, what really caught my attention was that as she's baking this, You know, she's putting the batter there, down there. And then I I saw her do something amazing. She got an egg. She cracked it, broke it open. She got water, she poured it. She got a banana, she split it. She threw it in there. And she got aggressive with it and started just putting all the pressure on this banana and mixing it all together. And it was just amazing to me. Because as I'm watching her do this, after a moment in the oven, out came out this amazing, tasty banana bread. And I enjoyed that banana bread. It was amazing. I was thankful for it. But I realized something. This banana bread came out only because of brokenness. 
You see, she had to break an egg. She had to split open a banana. And then she had to apply pressure to make it all work together. You see, that's how God works in our lives. You want God to do something great in your life. You want God to do something amazing, but you're not willing to trust Him when your life is going through a little bit of brokenness. You're not willing to trust God when it feels like everything is just falling apart and splitting apart and splitting apart and breaking apart and falling apart. And you're like, God, I don't understand why. And when you're going through the pressures of life and it feels like everything's just pressing up against you and you're thinking, God, why? Why all the pressure? Why all the stress? Could it be that God is bringing out something amazing, but you're not willing to trust them in the brokenness of your life when life is falling apart or under your pressure? When I read the instructions on how to make this banana bread, you know what it said? Add an egg and add a banana. We all say amen? amen? All right. You know what it did not say? But make sure you crack the egg first. And make sure you peel the banana. Why? Because it is assumed and expected that you know you're supposed to crack an egg and split open a banana. And I hate to tell you this, But I want you to leave here in church today assuming and expecting that in your pretty little life, you're going to get broken. In your little life, you're going to go through moments where you're going to just split apart and it's going to fall apart. You're going to go through moments where the pressure is on and the stress. You're going to go through a moment, but when you're going through that brokenness, And when you're going through that moment where life is just falling apart and you're under the pressure, know that it's all working for my good. For something great. Because here at Forward, here in this church, I don't want no sensitive Christians. People that just fall apart when your life falls apart. Can you imagine if you were that type of Christian, you say, okay, Lord, I want a banana bread, but I don't want the egg to be cracked. And I want the banana bread, but don't you split it, just put it in there. And I want the banana bread, but don't you pressure, no pressure, just leave that aside. And I want you to just make it work, make it work, and put it in the oven. Let me tell you, how many of you would want that banana bread? It doesn't work, right? Say, it don't work. Say, it don't work. That is not how God works. God did not say, well, you're a Christian now. Okay, no more brokenness. You're a Christian now, so from now on, on, no more pressure. Breathe, breathe. No more pressure. You're a believer. Oh, you're a believer? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Life will never fall apart. If that were God, There'd be no room in this church. 
But here's the instructions that God gives you. You better assume and expect that life's going to break you. You better expect to get under the pressure. Oh, you better believe you're going to fall apart. It's just going to, you're going to feel like every Monday comes. Oh, Monday. And people are just splitting you. Some of you have split personalities. You know, on Sunday, you're all like, like Sharon, uh, and I bet you Sharon on Monday, ooh, and she's just splitting open. She's like, uh, you know, and Dennis is like, ah, right? Because that, that, what happens is we have split. We have split personalities. But you have to understand that whenever life breaks you and splits you apart and the pressure is on, that is a moment that you have to declare something great is coming from this. Something great is about to happen because I serve a great God. And no matter what moment I go through in my life, my problems are momentary, but my God is forever. And something good. How do you think for 13 years in this little church in the middle of Hialeah has been able to survive because through all the pressure and the split and everything, we said to ourselves, something good is coming out of this church. So don't you start saying, oh, but, but it's hard and I don't like it. You better expect it. I don't want to lie to you. Brokenness is expected. But see, God can take something so great. I need water. I don't anoint people with it. I want it with batter. <laughs> Thank you. God is able to get the mess of your life. Just, just imagine this. Let me, let me preach today. You ready? Can you just imagine? Just imagine something great like this coming out of something like this? I can't imagine that. But see, God says, I know it feels like this is your life. And I know, Hagar, you've gone through brokenness. I know your family has split apart. I know that what happened has crushed you. I know you're under so much pressure. But if you can trust me, I promise you something great is coming out. Could you trust God in the moments of your life where everything is broken? Could you trust God? I'm sorry, Maria. I'm so sorry. Could you trust God when it feels like your life is just all falling apart? Because that's what it feels like for a lot of you today. I'm saying, God, I don't understand why everything's just falling apart. I meet some of you, and it's like every week something else splits open. 
Every week, I'm like, what did you do? But that's life. Verse 15 and 16. There was a point when the water in the skin was used up and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. She went and sat down across from him at a distance, about a bow shot away, where she said to herself, let me not see the death of this boy. So she sat opposite to him and lifted her voice and wept. She gave up. She gave up. Have you ever felt like that one moment? See, when the Bible says when the water ran dry, she gave up. She reached a moment where she said, I've had enough. She's reached a moment where she has just told herself it's over. She reached a moment where she thought that boy's going to die, not knowing that God was going to make something great of him. But the Bible says she thought to herself or said to herself. And it's important that you get this. What you choose to think or say during your moment can make or break you. And I'll close with this. She said to herself, it's over. I'm not coming out of this. She assumed the boy's going to die. There's no way I'm going to survive this. And all she could do was cry. Some of you, that's all you've been doing. You're crying over that child because you can do nothing about it. You're crying over that situation because you can do nothing about it. You're weeping over that dream you once had because there's nothing you can do about it. So she laid him down and just wept. Maybe like Hagar, you're here and you've given up. You've given up on dreams. You've given up on healing. You've given up on a loved one. Like Hagar, you're assuming the worst, thinking it's over. But then Hagar did not realize that there was another monumental shift that was about to happen. Come on, you got to get this. There was a monumental shift that was about to happen because, yeah, we experience monumental shifts that make our life seem impossibly just the worst it's ever been. And this monumental shift broke me. This monumental shift split me apart, Lord. This monumental shift just put so much intense pressure, God. But see, what if God is telling you today, you might have had a monumental shift for the worst, but don't you give up because I'm about to give you a monumental shift for the best. And she was there crying. And in verse 17, I love this, verse 17, and God 
heard the voice of that lad, that child who's speaking King James today. Then the angel of God called out to Hagar out of heaven. Out of heaven? Why? Because heaven is aware of where you're at in your life. Can you imagine that heaven's looking down on you right now? And an angel cries out from heaven. Hagar, he said to her, what ails you? You know what that literally means in the modern translation? Hagar, what? What's your problem? And I imagine heaven opening up right now and he's looking down on you and God is saying, what is your deal? What is your problem? Why are you crying? Why are you worried? Why are you stressed? Why? Hagar, if you only knew something great was coming. What ails you, Hagar? Fear not. For God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Let me preach for a second. You guys, let me preach. I read this and I said, wait up, God, wait, wait, God, there's a problem. I read that. And I said, why? Who was crying? Hagar. Why did God say, I've heard the voice of the child? He didn't say, I hear your voice. He said, I heard the voice of the child. Here's why. God says, I heard the voice of the lad where he is. God says, I hear the child crying. And I know where the child is at. Why didn't God say, I know, Hagar, where you're at? Why? Because here's what God is teaching us. God is sensitive to the cries of children. And when you are a child of God, He hears you. When you are a child of God, He knows where you're at. Because many children of God today in this church, you're crying. You're hurting. You're scared. You're broken. But let this be a testimony to you today that heaven hears and knows where all the God children are. You are a child of God. And not only does he hear you, not only does he see where you're at, he's doing something great. Verse 18, some of us have to hear this this morning. Hagar said, I'm done. I give up. God said, Arise. Lift up the lad and hold him with your hands. For I will make him what? Great. See, he said, Hagar, you're down. You're worried. You've given up. You're down for the count. But Hagar, you better get yourself up because I'm not done yet and something great is coming out of this. So you better rise up. Some of you, you've been down too long. Hopeless too long. 
And the voice of heaven cries out to you today and says, not only do I see you, you need to get up because I am not done with you yet. And in verse 19, here's where it gets interesting. In verse 19, God opened up her eyes and she saw a well of water. Now, remember why she gave up because a little skin of water dried up. And when she opened up her eyes, God gave her a well. And here's why. You're crying over little things that don't matter anymore. You're crying over little things that didn't work out. You're crying over something that just you thought was going to happen. It didn't. It ran dry. It was hopeless. But all this time, God had more. What's better, a skin of water or a well of running water? God had more. God had bigger. Say that with me. God has more. Say it like you need to hear it. God has more. So stop crying over the little things in your life. Because you still serve a great God that's getting ready to do great things in greater ways you never imagined. So here's what I want you to do. Let's all arise. Let's all arise. Shake it off. Slap your neighbor and say, hey, why are you crying? Better yet, slap him and say, what's your problem? Come on. I'll give you a minute. Go around the room. Go around the room. Ask him, what's your problem? What's your problem? Because some of you got problems. <laughs> some of you got problems. Amen. See, what Hagar didn't realize, and this is why I want to do this anointing service today, not just for the kids, because the adults need it too. In verse 15, let's look at verse 15. The water skin was used up. She placed, everyone say that, she placed, she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. And Hagar didn't realize something she did that was amazing. She placed him down. Because that word placed in the Hebrew, remember the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. That word placed in the Hebrew is the word shalah. Say that with me. Shalah. Sounds nice, right? Shalah literally means to cast, to let go. So in 1 Peter 5, 7, the Bible says, cast all your worries on him because he cares for you. So this morning, I want you to imagine like Hagar, there's something you're carrying that has you worried, that has you stressed, that has you broken. But today God is saying, would you just cast that? Would you lay it down? And some of you, you need to lay down your children. You need to lay down your health. 
You need to lay down your finances. You need to lay down your marriage. You need to lay something down you've given up. So if this is you this morning, I invite you to come to this altar today to dismiss. Come on. And say, Lord, I give up. I'm surrendering this to you. I'm surrendering this to you. It's the prayer of Shalah, letting it go to God. Because notice, when she placed him down, that's when God showed up. And if you want God to show up, there are certain things in your life you need to let go. Let me pray over your life right now. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, so I'll pray today. Lift up your hands with me, whatever it is today you need to let go. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, no other name. Father, we anoint these hands today. We anoint these hands in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These hands, Lord, carry burdens. These hands carry dreams. These hands carry sickness. These hands carry fear, depression, family members, and worry, broken dreams, broken promises. These hands are hands that feel like giving up sometimes. These hands are hands that wonder what they're doing in their life. Father, these hands are hands of people that are your children, that you hear them crying. These hands, Father, are hands of children living with anxiety, depression, fear. And Father, in Jesus' name, with your anointing, we cast all our cares upon you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us rise, knowing that greatness is coming out of this. We may be broken. We may be split. We may be under pressure. But it's all an indication that something great is coming out of this. So in Jesus' name, you take all these prayers, all these cares, all these words, all these things in our lives, Lord, that shouldn't be in our hands. And I need someone to hear this today. Why are you holding on to it? Trust Him and let it go. And let God work it for your good. In Jesus' name. Father, let this oil be a reminder to us that your Holy Spirit is upon our lives, guiding us daily through the brokenness, through the splitting apart, through all the pressures of life, Father, through all the questions and stress and worry, Father. I pray, Father, like Hagar, we denounce every thought that is not lining up with Scripture today. And in Jesus' name, we denounce any amount of depression and anxiety and thoughts of suicide and worry to be gone in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray for the strength to let go of those little things that don't matter anymore because you have bigger wealth for us. We pray this in your name. 
Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise today. Give God some praise. You guys can have a seat. I want to thank you guys for joining us today for that service. I pray you guys were all blessed today. It was a banana bread kind of Sunday. I want to thank Maria and the hospitality ministry for what they're about to do now. <laughs> Let's get ready for our, our tithes and our offering. I want to just thank you guys for joining us today. If you're a first-time guest with us, I'd like to meet you after service. It's great to have you here. Um, if you're a first-time guest, we feel no pressure at all to give. But during these times of offering and giving, we just pray that the Lord will use you to continue to provide and multiply in our church and our finances to keep this ministry going. So I want to thank you. These are the ways that you can give online. You can go on, on these mobile apps. You can also go to fourfellowship.com, click give and give through there. Or you can old school it, make out a check to Four Fellowship Church, drop it off in the back. That works too. But let's just all pray for our tithes and our offering. Would you stand with me for our tithes and our offering? I want to remind you guys, Wednesday, we have our 8 o'clock Bible study. We're still in the book of Mark. I believe chapter 6, verse 7. Maybe wrong. Just read the whole book of Mark and you'll get it. So Wednesday, 8 o'clock, the book of Mark. You don't want to miss it. The title of that message, Lord willing, because it can shift at any moment. But I believe the Lord is letting me to this study on take nothing for the journey. That's what he told his disciples. Take nothing for the journey. That's scary, isn't it? All right. So we're going to study that scripture on Wednesday so you don't want to miss it. We're still praying for Frankie. She's negative now, but she's taking care of River. Mom and dad are still fighting through it. But God willing, uh, she'll be here on Sunday to worship. Can we just give a huge thank you to Sharon and the worship team for what they do? We loved it. All right. 